welcome to a special Whispers in the Dark podcast episode. In this episode, we are doing an interview with Adam Tierney and Tom Hewlett regarding Silent Hill Book of Memories, that thing that um, a lot of people get angry about because it's different. Everybody's favorite upcoming game. Yeah. Hmm. The spinoff that is not allowed to be a spinoff in a series because just because Silent Hill. Can't be canon. So, um, before we get to the Book of Memory stuff, I just want to ask you, Tom, some stuff that the community has been asking about. What is the status on the Downpour and Silent Hill HD Collection patch? The patch? What, what patch? Those patches. The magical patches. I don't... It's going to fix everything. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, HD Collection patch is coming along pretty well. So you should look forward to that soon. And the downpour patch is being worked on. So you'll get the HD collection one first. Okay. All right, so I think we should just start. Um, Whitney's here too. Hi, Whitney. Hi. And we're going to do this uh, co-interview because we both couldn't go to E3. We couldn't pop up on the show floor and kidnap you, Tom. That was our plan, to kidnap you, like stroll you in a wheelchair to like a really dark room and just yell at you. Why did you do these things to Silent this Hill? Is our well, plan. This is all your plan. Shh. I'd, I'd done it two other times at E3, so you you just would have done a third. So. <laughs> um, so, why did WayForward come to the decision to take such a drastic departure from the traditional format of the Silent Hill series? Was it more of a traditional uh, style game ever planned? Hmm, that's a good question. Can you guys hear me okay, by the way? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, well, to answer the question, uh, WayForward didn't just come up with the idea of like, hey, let's do this kind of dungeon crawler version of Silent Hill. I mean, that was something that, that was collaborative and, and at a high level kind of came from Konami. So that, that was always the intention with the game is that would, it would be this other type of. Okay, Silent so it was Hill a day game. one, it was a day one thing. Yeah, from from the moment that we came in, that that uh, we came on board, there were already certain things kind of established or or planned for this property. I mean, for this this project. Okay. Tom, I saw in an interview that you had with um, can't remember the exact the site name, but you mm-hmm. said that you were given the task of doing a Silent Hill that was a different genre, like a spinoff, and you said something along the lines of, "I know people are going to get upset, but let me try and work this into something that will be appreciated." Um, yeah, so basically, um, we were told to do something brand new for the Vita and not to make it just like all the other Silent Hills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's still kind of a broad assignment. So we knew we, it had to be multiplayer and it could, because of that, it would be a little more action-y. Um, so I made several pitches for it and they were all very different. And, you know, I kept trying to keep it as traditional as possible. Um, but they had to keep moving further and further and further. So eventually, uh, WayForward got something that was agreed upon with, within Konami. And then, you know, once we got to the realities of making the game, it had to move a little further towards uh, different than normal. And um, we did keep trying to keep it as traditional as possible, but... Then they gave the game kind of a personality disorder, so it didn't feel right. 
because there were all these disparate elements that didn't fit. So, you know, eventually Adam just took it and said it has to be this way to work. And I liked it a lot when I, you know, heard that and we went through the design. So that's how yeah, it came just, to be. Just to kind of pick up from where Tom is. So, I mean, the way that we typically kind of make games is a publisher will come to us with the opportunity and they'll have whatever details are part of the opportunity. And then the rest of it is kind of us saying, okay, well, here's how we would make the game. And so Tom had this very nice kind of PowerPoint laid out of what were some of the core ideas of the game, what they wanted to push within it, what they wanted to focus on. Um, and then we started some back and forth conversations. I think I did like kind of a little uh, follow up PowerPoint incorporating some of that stuff. Um, then we did a demo. And then after that, we, we kind of got into the actual process. Um, and early on, I mean, well, yeah, if, if it hasn't come through in interviews, I mean, Tom and I are two of the biggest Silent Hill geeks out there. And, uh, I've, I've always just been kind of dreaming for the opportunity to work on a Silent Hill game. So, um, you know, I can't say enough that like we, we win, we're not trying to, <laughs> you know, throw a curveball to the fans. I mean, this is something where, like Tom said, we started, trying to kind of make a very uh respectful and and very like as standard as possible silent hill game within the parameters but just as a game it didn't work that well i mean if you're taking into consideration the camera perspective and the multiplayer and the the type of like world generation kind of the high level elements that were required it just it wasn't coming together the perfect example is we got um the bubblehead nurse early on and we got her looking exactly like the original games and moving exactly like the original games. And while that works from a close camera view and the kind of kind of awkward, non-responsive gameplay of the original one, once you take that out to a kind of like more distant view with multiplayer focus and all that stuff, it just really went very slowly, the gameplay. It wasn't engaging. It wasn't fun. So at a certain level, we kind of just had to say, well, we need this game to be a great game on its own. And so once we kind of got over the hump of um, we just need to do whatever makes the best Silent Hill game on Vita possible for this experience, that's when it started to really come together. So was a dungeon crawler the very first idea that came up when you decided to do a genre change? Or was it like, what were the other ideas on the drawing board? Uh, well, it wasn't so much a genre change as, you know, here's survival horror. And mm-hmm. then um, they wanted a multiplayer. And we didn't have time. You know, we we talked about multiplayer with Downpour and decided that we needed to have a lot of time to sort of do a survival horror multiplayer. Um, but we didn't have that type of time with Book of Memories. So then it was, well, how can we simplify multiplayer so it's still really cool, um, but it can't be a straight, you know, slow-paced, atmospheric survival horror game. So we still had puzzles and multiplayer and creatures and darkness. Um, and people had been talking about it like a top-down perspective and really liking that. And so WayForward uh, integrated sort of a swap so you could play it either way. And you'd swap. So we thought, you know, maybe you'll come into this room and you'll go into, into you know, normal Silent Hill view and you'll kind of explore the room. And then you'll come out and there'll be a bunch of enemies, so you'll swap to top-down. Uh, for a better view on it. And, you know, that worked, and we saw that work, and both views were cool, so we said, okay, we'll keep it so you can swap between them. But then, like Adam said, the creatures, the, the, the needs for combat in those two views are totally different. So. Yeah. And I mean, uh, really kind of the, the swapping back and forth between the standard where the more standard view and the more distant view, it was really kind of sort of like a crutch. We were really kind of just like, you know, 
it we we want it to be in this kind of like part of us wants it to be in this this traditional view but it just really wasn't working for the gameplay i mean ultimately the way that that the fact that it's all from the more distant view although the camera does bounce around a lot so i mean when you're tackling bosses and you're going into different rooms and stuff uh, we have a lot of dynamic camera changes um especially in kind of the forsaken rooms and stuff where it goes into a more traditional view but ultimately it just wasn't really taking grasp of kind of the heart of what the game was and 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 so that that was kind of the big shift early on was when we said okay this can't be you know mom and dad silent hill this has to be something that is uh a little bit different but once we fully embraced that and once we started running with it um it really came together well i think the other thing which meant worth mentioning too is that i think a lot of people are kind of reacting to it based on the face value of it because of course you look at screenshots and you think oh my gosh that's that's not silent hill that's diablo or that's some other kind of game but if you actually play it and i think that's kind of why we got a lot of favorable reactions from e3 a lot of the underlying systems are very traditional silent hill so i mean if you uh take the time to get into it and you see the story elements how those come together and how those are organic and change based on your gameplay and the puzzling and all of the the kind of like um, underlying systems with the creatures and the weapons and the talismans and all that stuff. I think the more that you play it, the more that a Silent Hill fan will find to love. But unfortunately, that's kind of the harder stuff to show in, you know, uh, screenshots or a very short trailer. So I think that's why I think that there's maybe a little more of a negative reaction to people that are seeing it superficially and a much more positive reaction to people that actually get to sit down and play with it for a while. Yeah, in some ways it, it helped uh, the direction we went just because, like Adam said, when you go into like the Forsaken Rooms and you have a more traditional fixed camera, um, it, it looks very much like an old Silent Hill game. So it's it's a little more impactful that way because the rest of the game is a little bit different, that it kind of kicks you in the right mood for that that situation. Was that always planned or was it something that was added in because of feedback from fans and how they wanted um, the original camera? We always had the Forsaken Rooms because I'm big on that and... Like I've told you guys in previous podcasts, casts, that's something I miss from, say, Silent Hill 3, where you just walk in a room and there'd be something freaky. Um, but, well, you know, once we, we decided, okay, it's top down for all the gameplay, um, then way forward kind of said, oh, well, we can do these cool camera systems for these rooms, so we still get that feeling. And then it was planned, you know, from that point forward. Yeah. I mean, we're huge fans of, I mean, I remember when we got to that point where we started, uh, kind of looking at the Forsaken Rooms and breaking them down. We were itemizing like every previous Silent Hill game and not just looking at stuff like the Mirror Room, but but pretty much every example in the series and trying to think, okay, what's actually effective about these? What do people like? What do we like? Um, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, there there's a lot of kind of, I think, fan reaction of like, I hope Way Forward or I hope Konami is reading this and I hope they change this and I hope they change this. I mean... Tom and I have always been kind of looking at the feedback, but ultimately this, I don't want to give the impression that this is like a reactionary game. Like this is never, this was never a situation where it's like, oh my gosh, people are disliking this or people really like this. And we're kind of like, you know, turning on a dime. We've had a, a, a like between Tom and I just being such big Silent Hill geeks and because of, you know, way forward, we love boss battles and we love like very traditional gameplay and stuff like that. Um, it, it was really easy for us to kind of, you know, figure out the essentials of this game and figure out the fun systems that work together. And, and so it'll, I think a lot of stuff, 
will when the game comes out i think a lot of fans will say oh they've they've been looking they've been listening to us and look they change this unless they look they change this we didn't actually really change anything it's just that like i said you're kind of seeing it at a superficial level once you see the final game and you see everything that's underneath the hood um it really is a silent hill game i mean it really does feel like a silent hill game in spite of how different those screenshots and that trailer looks yeah and uh i'll i'll say a lot of this back and forth we're talking about happened uh last summer while I was in the Czech Republic, uh, finishing up Downpour. So that was before um, Gamescom and before people really saw the game. So I'd say since before Gamescom, it's been pretty set in stone. We've just been making the vision we had. So not a, not very much as reactionary. Well, that's good to hear. But a lot of it does fit in with what people have been saying they hope we do. In some yeah, cases. I mean, Tom and I, we're, we're always joking that we're like looking at the forums at like the Silent Hill forums or GameFAQs or something. And there's always some thread where somebody says, oh, I hope they add this. And then we're just waiting for the day when the game comes out where they're going to uh, take credit for that ad, even though it's been in the game for like a year. Oh, I've seen someone take credit for Shattered Memories in all of its entirety. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was fun. Wait, who took credit of that? It was it was on the Hell Descent forum. Someone said I came up with the name Shattered Memories in 2006 or seven. <laughs> it was just a funny story. Um, so, so speaking about fans, what do you guys? How do you guys handle like the really negative ones? Yeah. Like, you post the trailer and they're just like, "F Konami, they don't know what they're doing. They're ruining the series forever." I mean, like how the do you handle Hill Facebook that? page, especially. Oh, geez, yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to read that stuff. I mean, I've only CJ played the and game I once. get pissed off reading it. I played the game once and. It, I, it wasn't very favorable because I just a lot of things weren't working yet, like the back touch panels, the front touch screen wasn't really working, so I couldn't really give a good preview on it. But I am waiting to play it so I can actually give my opinion. But people are on the Facebook page, especially, are just saying Silent Hill is dead because Book of Memories exists, yet Downpour was a survival horror game and it's one of the main games. But they seem to completely forget that, and I just I don't understand the whole thing that a, a spinoff in the Silent Hill series cannot exist. Especially when the spinoff is the one trying new things, and it's not the main game. I I don't see the I don't I just can't find the logic in it. Yeah, I mean the people are getting caught up about the whole oh no it's canon this means it's the main game now and that's not what canon means. I don't know if you guys want to go into the explanation of what canon is in the Silent Hill series. No. Yeah, I mean, re- reading the reactions, I mean, well, I remember at the beginning of this, uh, at, at this development, like when Konami was visiting Way Forward and, and Tom said, he took me aside and he said, prepare to be hated. And I'm like, come on, it can't be that bad. And it's like, no, 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 like you, you'll see. Um, I, I really, it, it, it's, it's, it's a hard one to deal with. I mean, because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a Silent Hill fan myself and I, and I want very traditional Silent, uh, Silent Hill survival horror and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I just really think that the, that the more people see on this, the, the more they'll, they'll kind of respond to. And, and I mean, the, the amount, it, the wealth of stuff that, uh, goes back to the previous games that the, the elements that we're picking from, you know, previous weapons and stories and items and creatures. I mean, it, there, we're not exaggerating when it's kind of almost saying like there really is very little I think that a uh, Silent Hill fan could think of that is not somehow in this game because we just really wanted to put in, you know, as much stuff as we love to kind of really make a very beefy Silent Hill kind of, you know, multiplayer experience. Yeah, yeah, well, see, you, oh, sorry, Tom. 
I I won't go too much into the the feedback because I've done it before and fans have now decided I have a persecution complex because um, I have this weird fantasy that people freak out needlessly over the games that I announce. But um, <laughs> it's uh it's hard because this one there's a lot of negativity, whereas the other games there's sort of a mix. Like downpour, there's always like I hope it's good. Because, you know, I liked the screenshot, and this one they're like, well, I hope it's good, but it looks terrible. Uh, and that's kind of depressing. But, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just frustrating. It's hard to, to not have positive feedback. Is yeah, that- well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, that, I mean, <laughs> there seems to be, a, uh, like I see on the forums, it seems like people are kind of opening their minds up a little bit, and they're getting a little more favorable to it, but, I'm kind of surprised that people, just to see people still occasionally just be so angry, just because if you look at the impressions that came out of E3, I mean, I think, I think I counted like eight or ten of them that were positive and only like two or three that were negative, and even the negative ones seem more reactionary, seem more like, oh my gosh, Silent Hill, why did you do this? It's kind of like the first time they'd see it. Really, most of the people that, that got a chance to put their hands on it really seemed to dig it, which, which was fantastic for us, because, I mean, we've been working on this thing for so long, and, and we were a little, you know, nervous, not of just how the diehard fans would, would take it, but just how people would generally take it as a game, and, uh, and so far it seemed to be pretty positive. I guess a good thing would be don't judge it by don't judge a book by its cover. I mean, yes. sure, it looks different, <laughs> Ooh, nice but tie-in. it could be. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, the other the other thing is, I remember last E3, um, our trailer for Downpour was very well, not very, but had had some action in it, and there was a very oh, yes. angry fan that came up to me and uh, interrupted an interview I was doing with a publication oh, and said, you know, th- why did you do this and why is it so action based? So, you He's know, professional. After my, <laughs> After my interview, I, I sort of pulled them aside and said, Hey, you know, you know, you always try to get your friends to play Silent Hill. And, and maybe they don't because they're more used to this other game. And you know, if they got into it, they'd really love it. But they don't because, you know, they think of it as this slow, boring, um, game where there's no conflict for the first half hour and it's hard to get into. But if they see this trailer, they might be more apt to check it out and give it that chance because, oh, it looks like there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and then he kind of accepted that one. Oh, cool. I get it. You know, this is like me trying to convince my friend to play it and, and show him what he would like. So he'll get into it and see what I like. And I said, yeah. So the trailers for Book of Memories, just because it's, it looks different, it's top down. We have to focus even more on all the action because there is a lot of action, but you know, there's puzzles and, um, the forsaken rooms and stuff. And those are shown very briefly in the trailer, but you can't focus on that because it's you know fans will really dig that and it's a it's a part of the game but it doesn't trailer, show well the, the trailer is very the trailer is fast too and that's another thing is is i think too there's a lot of kind of immersion aspects in the full game and and like tom said you can't really you know spend 20 seconds slowly walking through a creepy corridor or something in a trailer it just doesn't really work when you're trying to kind of hit all the major points right you don't have you know your friends voice chatting uh, over saying, you know, don't go through the door yet. I'm, I'm almost dead. We need to figure, you know, I can freak it out, which is part of the game if you're playing multiplayer. But you can't really put that in a trailer, um, cause it doesn't really work that way. So, you know, there's a lot here, like we keep saying, there's a lot here that is Silent Hill. It's hard to see that in the trailer. So, don't judge the book by its cover, like Whitney mm-hmm. said. Alright, uh, as my last question toward the response from fans, um, just how does it affect the team? Like, there's, there's so many people working on the game, you guys especially. 
but I want to know how does it affect like the people doing everything else, like actually working on it. How do they feel when they see these things that someone's already denouncing their work and their product's not even out yet? I'm sure it probably bums them out. <laughs> no, I mean not not really, not too much. I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm the most hardcore Silent Hill fan at Way Forward, um, and then we have some other people on the team that are fans. But I think most people were in good spirits just because. We were trying so many new things on this game. I mean, way forward, you think of our typical games, and it's very kind of like traditional platformers, Mega Man style, Super Mario Brothers style. And the amount of systems and the amount of new things we were trying in this game were just so fascinating and so, you know, unique and fresh. I mean, everything in the game, well, I should say, uh, one of the things that Konami wanted from like the high level, uh, uh, kind of request for this game was something that, could be played endlessly. So um, it's been mentioned in interviews that the first 21 stages with the seven boss battles is kind of a fairly traditional feeling game, but then after that it just goes deeper and deeper and kind of randomizes. So we wanted to make sure that nothing in the game uh, would feel canned or get boring. So pretty much everything in the game is constructed with some kind of element of randomization or programmatic generation, and it's the world, and enemies, and uh, even the puzzles, and, and uh, items you pick up. I mean, everything, nothing is like canned so that you're like, oh, I already saw that one, I already know what it is. So just because of the amount of systems like that, I think there were a lot of things that just kept everybody on the team fascinated. All of our artists were working with systems where you're uh, having lots of elements coming together, but it's very dynamic. So like the lighting is completely dynamic. It changes in every room all the time, or we've got special rooms that'll change between a couple different lighting settings. The programmers just had, you know, uh, a, a, went crazy with, with just the amount of, of things that they needed to do. I think like a typically on a game that, uh, that I work on usually the GDD is you know by the end maybe like around like 80 pages or something like that and I remember on this one our PA once tried to print it out and it was like 450 pages and he's like all right never mind <laughs> but uh, so I save I, some I think, trees yeah 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 uh, so we just we just kept it digital um, but I think that most of the team's spirits were uh, were pretty good throughout just because in spite of the fan criticism we were personally very excited about what we were working on and, and we're really, uh, you know, pumped about the results. So ultimately that trumped whatever somebody felt about it that hadn't actually seen the game. Well, that's like really good to hear. If you guys are so excited for it, it makes me more excited for it. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And just to add a little, a little, um, context to Adam's description. So, you know, the story doesn't stop after you finish the first 21 zones. Um, basically, the fr- there's, as you can tell from the soundtrack, I mean, people aren't stupid. Um, there's different elemental zones. So the first chapter would be three zones, and that would be fire. And then from there on, you'll move to the next three zones, and they're a different element. And then it keeps going that way till 21. Um, after zone 21, they're randomized. So you might go one fire zone, one steel zone, one water zone, back to back. So when you're in those zones, you're dealing with a story in the chapter that corresponds to that element so you're still collecting story even though you've gotten past that area of the game and uh changing it with your book i guess okay because i was gonna jokingly say that you kind of spoil the ending now saying (laughs) that the game is infinite (laughs) but but i get it because the type of game it is it should be continuous it's yeah i mean we've got a lot of satisfaction that you can have from those first 21 stages i think that playing through those you'll get a very kind of silent hill-esque like 
experience. I, I think depending on the player, we've we've said it, it. It typically takes about fifteen to twenty hours to get through that that first section, uh, depending on the skill of the player and how much they want to kind of like you know truck through it versus like spending some time exploring and leveling up. But um, but beyond that, uh, yeah, I mean the story stuff is is definitely one of the most fascinating things in the game, just because you're getting it in a variety of different ways and the way that it builds and the way that it changes, that's kind of something where you're going to be like taking the story at face value, I think initially. And then once you've kind of built up the story and then you start learning how it ties into the gameplay and how you can affect it and how it affects you, it's, uh, I mean, you could, you could speak with more authority, Tom, than, than I could, but it's, it's pretty deep, even for like a, a silent hill game as far as story goes, right? Yeah, it's basically I saw um, in Shattered Memories. Um, you know, I obviously know how that whole system works with the the psychological profile, and people really haven't figured out exactly how it works and exactly how much is feeding into that. They get some of it, but there's a lot, and so it, it's kind of. I wish that people could see how ex- how crazy convoluted it is. But there's no reason to, because you know people get a basic understanding that you can get all the endings, and that's as far as it affects the player. So hmm. why should they care to learn? But it, I feel bad for the developer because they've worked up this huge, complicated system, and then no one really gets to appreciate how complicated it is. So you get reviews saying like, "Well, you know, Silent Hill 2 did it first with a knife and stuff," um, <laughs> and you know, fair enough, it feels like that, but it, it's a lot deeper. So with uh, Book of Memories with our story concept of this book that you can change, I thought that's a really good opportunity. Let's make the player feel that. Let's make them feel like, here's my story, and now I can go back and I can change it. You don't have to. You know, you can... It'll feel like a complete story if you play it through to Zone 21 and stop. But, you know, if you take the time to, to wonder, how does this work? What's the, what's affecting this? Um, it's a giant puzzle. So you have puzzles to solve in the gameplay, and then you have a giant puzzle that is the entire story of the game. And then once you crack that, you know, you can change everything and figure out how to get each ending. And, and it should be really satisfying. And uh, then people will know how complex the story is. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I mean, it's also, the- oh, I was going to say also, uh, I mean, there's also, we haven't, we don't want to spoil all of it, but mm-hmm. I mean, the way that you're affecting your book and the way that that you're kind of leaning towards one direction or another or the way that you're kind of like resolving the different outcomes on each one of the the uh worlds we're calling them um it actually changes a lot of stuff in game um even stuff kind of more from the front end or stuff outside of gameplay there's there's all everything is just kind of meticulously woven together um and i think that what's really interesting about this one in particular compared to like the previous Silent Hill games is that you know, when you're doing, you know, the, when you're trying to get a certain ending in Silent Hill 2 or 3 or, or you're like doing all of the different little parameters, it's kind of a one-off thing. It's like, okay, did I, you know, did I do this with my health? Did I, did I look at the knife enough? And you're, you're kind of like factoring all the, in all these things once to get the ending. This one is much more organic and it keeps going. So you can try this and you can get this ending and then you can keep trying and you can get this ending and then you can change this about yourself. It's something that you're able to kind of endlessly uh, adjust along the way rather than just picking a route and then having to restart. Um, and that plays again into like the whole thing of, of this being an endless game so that you're constantly revising your story and trying out the different possibilities 
along the way, and you're you're in full control of that ultimately by your gameplay actions and and what you do in the game. So would you say this is the most personalized Silent Hill? Yes. Okay. It sounds like actually. The, mo- the longest Silent Hill with the most replayability. It, it, I mean, you said, what, 15 hours on average? That's well, more that's than... Just, that's, that's just, just the, in- the intro section. Well, I mean, we actually... I know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's, that's what I was <laughs> surprised to, to about. See an ending. It'll take you 15 to 20 hours to see an ending. To see your first ending. Yeah. So it's taking... The other games are like eight, hours, eight or nine hours. That's pretty, that's pretty long. I think that's awesome. It's a handheld game, and it's longer than any of the previous ones. And... Like Adam was saying about, you know, the story affects other things that you'll notice that aren't necessarily in the gameplay. Um, with Shattered Memories, there were certain fans, one in particular I can think of, who went through the whole game and tried to find every change and then put it on her website. Um, it's Whitney. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so she had a lot of fun doing that. But it kind of bummed me out that a lot of other people didn't do that. So this i think a lot of people will get that experience will be like oh my gosh did you see this and they'll be talking more about it so it won't just be like oh whitney updated her site and there's i guess there's another window in the green lion shop with like sex dolls it'll be you know it was like be... it was like me and um amy <laughs> going through yeah, all the changes <laughs> so hopefully it'll be a more uh, community driven experience uh this time and there's there's a lot of stuff in there so look forward to it I'm, I, I, all I gotta say is uh, I'm not looking forward to trying to do a walkthrough. <laughs> it changes that much. Yeah, you've done a lot of walkthroughs and never like an RPG, and that's gonna be fun to see you do that. <laughs> I, I, I be great. Know, I don't even know how you could really do a walkthrough on this game. She'll she'll, she'll, she'll find a way. Okay. <laughs> you have so much confidence, CJ. <laughs> I, I don't do. know if I will. I'll sign in. I'll be like, hey, you guys want to play? And Whitney will be like, I have a ton of questions. <laughs> I mean, plus also this, you know, we were look, we were looking at the the PSN trophies, and and I was a big fan, a uh, big influence on this game as far as the trophies went was uh, the first time I played Dead Rising, which is you know you play through the game once and it's like that's not the game, that's like your first like tenth of the game, and like the the subsequent playthroughs and the trophies, all of that just gives you so much more content and so much more reason to play it, and so that was a big kind of point for us too was to encourage the player give them as much kind of gameplay goals and opportunities and things that they're trying to do as they go deeper and deeper in the dungeon um and i think uh uh i mean as far as i don't remember do you remember what our trophy count was tom it was really high compared to like the other vita games so Um, far i want to say over 40 does that sound right yeah i think it might have been over 50 something like that um, but a lot of stuff that, and, and those are trophies that, you know, there's a handful of them that are like, you know, kind of gimmies, but most of those were really kind of put there to give the player things to focus on long term. I mean, we really, the, the, the goal with this game was ultimately to create a game that, a Silent Hill game that somebody could be playing for, you know, like a better part of a year. I mean, you, you just went through, uh, Peace Walker, right, CJ? Yeah. And you know how that game is just, it keeps giving and giving and giving. And, and I had beaten that, or you know, I guess you never really beat it, but I, I got through most of it before the, the, we started development on this. And that was also a huge influence, just kind of seeing how they kept you going and never to the point where it's like, I'm bored of this or it's being repetitious, but just giving you new opportunity for goals and new things to focus on and new things to try as you go deeper and deeper. Hmm. So how would you compare this to like other RPGs on the market? I I, uh, I think Tom, you said Fantasy Star, Persona, which which made me really happy. Yeah, yeah you're like a big Persona fanboy now. Yeah, I, the story. 
the story uh, is similar to Persona, um, um, I would say. Uh, but I helped localize Persona Three, so. Well, can I go? Really can I go on dates with anyone? Um, Does he have to study? That's what multiplayer's for, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Uh, online dates. There are some the, flirty VO lines too. <laughs> oh yeah, you can, go, oh, you can go on dates. Sorry, I'll. <laughs> I won't say any more than that, but you can go on dates. Uh, and the gameplay is, is pretty similar to Fantasy Star Online for me, just because I played a ton of Fantasy Star Online. So that's my point of comparison. I'm, I'm not really a huge Diablo fan, so I don't... In my mind, it goes to Fantasy Star Online, but they're very similar. Um, but I'd say it's, it's more... It's interesting, because it's kind of more accessible than a lot of RPGs, because it's... It's action-y and uh, horror-y. But it's also very deep. I don't want it to sound like it's it's really simple game. There's a ton of gameplay systems at work and all working together. So I think it's friendly for people who don't necessarily play RPGs, which is good because the Silent Hill fan base doesn't all play RPGs. But um, there's a lot there for people who want to get into it. I think, I mean, uh, I think it's also probably the most fun Silent Hill game and that's not to say that it's like goofy or wacky I mean this is still a game that has very serious uh, plots and, and and characters and and there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in there but I mean it's it's a way forward game so just in terms of you know what you're doing moment to moment what you're doing with the weapons how you're engaging the creatures and especially when you get to the boss battles I mean our we have pretty epic uh, boss battles that are very kind of like you know, classic mode to mode, like really kind of like, you know, surprising you with each new uh, iteration of them. Um, I, there's a lot of just kind of fun gameplay that I think works very well for like a multiplayer experience. Because when you're, when you're, you know, teaming up with your friends, we need something that, uh, that works for a lot of players kind of all tag teaming and, and going around together. Um, and that's also kind of where some of the, the kind of more brisk pace came from. Um, it wouldn't really work if you had, you know, four players and you were just all like going really, really slow. And it was just kind of that, that slow paced crawl of, of, uh, you know, the more traditional game. So everything has a little bit more of a, more kind of a punchy feel, a little, a little faster, a little harder. Um, and, and yeah, but definitely like one of our main focuses was just kind of making everything as enjoyable and, and, and then fun as possible. Yeah. And there are more bosses than any Silent Hill game before. Oh, is that true? Yeah. That's cool. Silent Hill never has a lot of bosses, but we always have people yeah. asking us, hey, are there bosses? <laughs> and, uh, you know, Downpour had a couple. But there's tons of bosses here, and they're all original creatures, so. Yeah, we tend to go pretty crazy on our bosses way forward. Were, were all of them shown in the screenshots, or is that just a few of them? All not. of them were not shown in the screenshots. Good. No. Yay, surprises. Um, good. All right, uh, I want to know, between each dungeon, what do you do? You said the story is kind of like Persona, so you, is there a hub world you visit? Between each dungeon, can you do things like in your normal life before, like before you go into like the nightmare? Um, your hub world is your living room or your car or the bus before you turn on the game. Oh, okay. So, so it's my my hub world. When you're when you turn on your Vita, uh, you're in <laughs> the nightmare. You're you're asleep and dreaming, and this is your nightmare. Okay. So I think let's move on to the actual gameplay details, like the character creator and all those other things. So, how extensive is the character creator? Adam? <laughs> uh, 
It's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's you know, you're definitely you're not gonna go in and and have some kind of like Fallout Three overwhelming like how do I do the bridge of the nose kind of a thing. Hmm. Um, it's good enough that uh, I'm able to make who I want to make. I can make Jake from Lit, or I can make my wife, and they come out in pretty reasonable facsimile. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of it's like uh, you know, hair, head, body accessories skin tone uh hair color there's there's uh, facial accessories head accessories there's a lot of different factors to uh adjust your character there's no kind of like polygonal deformation just because that seemed a little bit overkill for a game where you're predominantly kind of from a very zoomed out perspective um but just from the factors that are in there it's you can you can get pretty much whatever you want to make yeah and each class has multiple uh, outfits so okay. um you know, you can kind of tweak that, and then a lot of the accessories. When you when you first start the game, uh, you won't have a lot of options. I think you have glasses and a tweed hat or something. Yeah. But you can buy more from the shop, and then you know, tweak your character even further with the more mm-hmm. wacky things that I think we showed in some screenshots. So like, I, I yeah. like that the fan service things that you could choose from. Oh, yeah. You got the heathers, earmuffs, and yeah, and the podcast logo. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just and just just to, uh, you know, in case fans are wondering, there's also a lot of accessories that are very subtle as well. So it's not all just kind of like, you know, big Robbie heads. There's also stuff where it's subtler glasses and hats and, and things that will actually make it feel like, you know, if you're trying to recreate yourself or recreate your friend, there's a good mix of kind of both sides of that. Do the um, clothing options. I think there's jock, goth, um, like nerdy. Does that affect you got like your, your personality starting point, or is that just clothing? Uh, it, it actually it affects a lot. So I mean, it affects your clothing, and then from there you kind of pick the different sub outfits within that. So if you're preppy or if you're goth, it'll kind of change uh, what outfits you're wearing. But it also affects your character, like what they are in gameplay, what their poses are. Um, it affects your voice. Uh, we had uh, different actors for each one of the classes and each one of the sexes completely dynamically pulled in. So when you hear all of the cutscenes and when you hear all of the uh, TV broadcasts and anything that has to do with your character, it'll be a different actor specifically that sounds like the character that you chose. Um, and then that also affects like your, your call-out stuff. Uh, have you messed around, CJ, with the uh, VO stuff at all in Peace Walker? Um... The D-pad VO? I think so, just a little bit. Yeah, so basically we kind of had a similar system on there just because we knew it was going to be a, a multiplayer focus where you can tap up on the D-pad and then tap a variety of, of directions to give call-outs and say, like, I need health or give me a gun or let's hit it, let's hit it from the front or let's you know circle from the rear. Any kind of like uh, uh, conversational um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, directions. And each one of those, we didn't want to just say go forward we wanted to put those in the voice of the character so the jock are very kind of like jockey phrases and the same with the goth he's very moody and kind of angsty and so it was kind of fun to play with all that stuff <laughs> yeah, the, the female me goth at one point has like poetry that she's written that she's yes. reading <laughs> but just for example so when we're talking about like the plot um the the audio um you know so there's a scene with uh, you and your coworker. And so if you're most of the classes, your coworker is the bookworm voice. But if you're the bookworm, then the coworker is the goth voice. So every scene is kind of figured out that way so that each each plot character has multiple different uh, possible voices, depending on who you are. And so it won't, you know, you won't be talking to yourself ever. 
That's yeah. cool. Do the cutscenes acknowledge when you're playing multiplayer? Would you see like two characters in there, or will it just be the main the main game's character? Uh, it's kind of all personal to the individual. So as you're playing the game, um, you come across like uh, the TV broadcast, which which broadcasts the audio, or you come across you know the, the cutscenes or the notes or anything like that. It's always kind of personal to the individual player. So um, there, there's nothing where it kind of acknowledges the fact that say that there's three players versus four players versus two players, anything like that. And a big part of that was because all of anything that you receive from the story stuff feeds back into that story system. You're kind of collecting all these notes and collecting all these broadcasts and everything so that later on you can kind of play with those systems and rewrite your history. So since all of that is saved for the individual, it it's kind of tailored to the individual rather than the group. Oh, I was going to ask... But it like, shouldn't seem odd. It's it's set up no. in a way where you won't be like, oh, it's ignoring that we're four-player. Yeah. So so it's pretty satisfying if, if you don't have friends to play with. If you just play it by yourself, it's like kind of the same experience. You just don't have the... Good job, CJ! You really mm-hmm. knocked that monster down. You know, those, those sort of moments. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. and I mean, you know, as far as like the gameplay, uh, the, the way that the enemies, you know, behave and the bosses and, and their health, and damage. All of it is kind of scaling and adjusting based on the number of players, so it's balanced for whatever situation you go into. But we didn't really favor one over the other. We wanted to make sure that we were creating an experience that would work really well for up to four players, but would also feel like a really fantastic single-player experience. That's great to hear. <laughs> um, do some puzzles switch into a multiplayer version of itself? Like needing two people or three people to do something different? Puzzles are pretty much, uh, they're kind of one of your gates to get through each world. So as you're going through, you have challenges, um, which you're kind of, you're finding in the shape of these floating orbs. And when you break them apart, then you're kind of put through this little gauntlet. And so if you're in a gauntlet with your friends, you can all help each other out. If you're in a gauntlet by yourself, then you have to do it and you have to survive. And, and hopefully your friends will kind of see you on the other side. Um, but as you're doing each one of those and succeeding, then you get the puzzle pieces. And then at the end of the, uh, at the end of each stage, you manipulate the puzzle pieces, uh, to get out of that stage. So there's nothing really to kind of take advantage or, or, you know, of one over the other. We wanted to do a puzzle system that worked fine for either. And ultimately, uh, anybody can kind of run up to the gate and mix around the puzzle pieces as you're earning them. Um, there's also kind of like a weird little poetry clue that you'll collect and that'll give you a, a very vague Silent Hill-esque kind of dynamic clue that tells you how you're supposed to manipulate these things you've collected to get through it. That was actually one of the most interesting things in in development is I kind of went through every walkthrough and played through some of the earlier games again and, and really tried to dissect what a Silent Hill puzzle was and what worked best and what were the kind of more significant, consistent parameters. And we tried to kind of fold them all into our puzzle system to create something that would, would feel like this. Um, but, uh, so that is kind of, it's not specifically multiplayer or single player. It's just a very kind of self-contained system that anybody can take advantage of. But for the challenges where you're kind of going into a room and battling guys, those do vary. So some of those take advantage of the fact that you've got a bunch of people with them. And then some of them will only appear when you've got like one player. Oh, okay. But for the puzzles themselves, basically, if you were with a group, you could designate like CJ's good at puzzles. So CJ does all the puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to you, CJ. I want to kill things and scream. 
Um, what would you guys say your favorite game mechanic is? I mean, you talked a lot about the variety, how it changes as you play. I mean, is, is that something you guys are really proud of, or is there something else that you really love? Hmm. Tom, you want to go first? Um, the story. <laughs> That's not fair, because I wrote it. Oh, you're, you're so <laughs> humble. <laughs> um, hey, I'd be story. proud of it, too, if I wrote it. <laughs> Uh, I'll go. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to differentiate liking one thing over the other just because they're all kind of have the similar mentality. The way that we're constructing enemies is different than the way that we're constructing, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it's all similar the way that we're constructing enemies or challenges or worlds. Um, so a lot of it's kind of hard to see it like individual pieces. I definitely I, I really love our mastery system. So as you're playing through the game and kind of you know, wailing on the enemies, there's a system that you can uh, engage in that's kind of timing focused, that if you pull it off, you get something that's much more satisfying. It kind of like gets substantially more uh, reward than you would normally get. So I think that's really fun just because that's something that's always a little bit of a challenge to do. And when you pull it off, it always feels like that kind of like kick-ass, go-me moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to that, I, I really like the fact that the game has a big focus because um, at any point you can pause and you can access your book of memories and so from there you can read all the notes you've collected and listen to the broadcast and read little like wiki style entries on every creature you've uh, uh, killed and every weapon you've yielded and every artifact you've collected and I think that kind of Pokedexy kind of like you know collection of, of just cataloging everything you've ever accomplished in the game is, is something that I really loved about the game and we've the the degree to which you kind of have to play to get through all that is is in and of itself like a whole other game. It's the same as like you know trying to track down every last soul in a Castlevania game. So I think those two things are probably the the favorite things for me: the mastery system and then just the immense immense kind of checklisting of checking that you're getting every single thing you can possibly get in the game. So it's yeah, very gonna, completionist. I was going to say the book, so Adam took mine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I like just you know. It's it's a pretty standard RPG thing, I guess. But Silent Hill, really, you only keep the notes. So in this game, you're you know you're keeping track of the notes, the your artifacts, your weapons, the creatures you kill, the story, just everything. So it's kind of cool having it. It's like you're building your own strategy guide mm. that you can then refer back to as you play. Like it's kind of cool. Mm. And it was really cool, also, just like as part of development to take all these items and try and figure out how they would all work together. So it's like, okay, I've got hyperspray and I've got sort of obedience and what is this one damage and what enemy is this one particularly effective against and what is the elemental properties of this one and you know factoring in kind of all of the different systems into those like SH lore items was a lot of fun just kind of trying to balance all that out. Yeah fans will have a lot of fun trying to figure out which creature the sort of obedience is good against. (laughs) I want to go into uh, you just talked about elements Uh, in the combat system there are enemy types that have different element bases. I think there's blood. Um, is rust one of them? Nope. Nope. Oh, I'm mistaken then. Can you go into that? Because that seems really interesting that each enemy type has one out of three different type of alignments. Uh, yeah. So basically there are, I mean, have we kind of said all this, Tom? Or I, I'm not sure. How much do you want to go into it? Um, you can talk about the karma system. 
Okay, okay. Yeah. so, I mean, basically the way the karma system works is you can uh, lean towards kind of a light system where it's everything about positivity and about, uh, you know, being a good person, being a healer, anything like that. And then you can lean towards the uh, the negative system, which is blood. So it's always a, kind of this light and blood pull. And all of the enemies in the game are factored into that. They're mm. either in the light faction or the blood faction or the steel faction, which uh, doesn't it doesn't fit into either of those categories. It's kind of its own thing, but it's got its own kind of it's not quite neutral. It's got its own kind of you know uh, strong properties. And so as you're going through the game, depending on which creatures you're killing, they'll either bleed out something that looks like blood or something that looks like kind of like a milky white blood. And you're collecting this. Um, this is this is like the primary kind of like system, but it, it's it's not quite a morality system because you're not doing anything that's good versus bad. Um, but it ties into you know it's, it, wit- it's like a fluid class system kind of yeah. And so as you're kind of like leaning towards one way or the other, um, it's like if you're somebody who ends up if you're somebody that wants to be more aggressive and attack and, and, and just kind of like obliterate people, you might lean more towards the blood side. If you're somebody who's kind of watching out for your friends and giving them your health packs and, and helping people out with ammo and arms and, and everything like that, you might lean towards the light side. Um, and everything you do uh, uh, to get to that side starts unlocking different abilities. So you kind of, it's almost like a you become kind of the obliterator, like you know, just decimating people with your special abilities, or you become somebody that can heal your friends and kind of protect them from the enemies. And so you're looking at the different enemies um, to see what class they're in and deciding how to attack them, what order to attack them, which ones do I kill, which ones do I leave for Tom, which ones do we come back for later, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to move into the PlayStation Vita aspect of the game since it's on a new console and the Vita has all these little fancy features, back screen, front screen, gyroscopic, it has a lot of stuff. So how did you guys tackle this? There's so many things you could do with it and how did you add that to a Silent Hill game? Um, I mean, we considered all of them at the beginning, and but at the same point, I mean, way forward, it's it's very strong... Uh, it's very important to us that we never sacrifice good, solid gameplay. So we knew that we didn't want to do anything that would just make it feel gimmicky or, or aggravate gamers or just, you know, make it take away from any kind of the, uh, the touch response and, and the Twitch gameplay of, of everything. So, um, we kind of exper- we looked into all the different possibilities and mostly what we ended up focusing on were the, the front and rear touchscreens. The front touchscreen is just used all over the place. So you're using it for, you know, uh, marking your map and accessing your inventory and navigating the book and, and, and doing all of the kind of managing everything you've ever collected in the game. Although we also have, uh, for all the menu navigation, you can also do it like via D-pad if you want to, but, um, but just for the absolute kind of like precision. Once you see how dense the menus are and once you see how dense the, you know, bestiaries and stuff like that, uh, you'll see that it's very advantageous to have a touchscreen for that. And then as far as the rear touch, we use that for your special karma abilities. So when you're kind of building those up in a golden axe sort of style and you unleash them and you're just destroying the enemies in the room or you're siphoning their health and giving it to your friends and protecting your friends, that's all done with the, the rear touch. And, and what's really cool about it is just that you can do these things without obscuring the game. So 
you know, typically the stuff that you're doing, you know, touching, multi-touching, dragging, stuff like that, your fingers would be all over the screen and it would just be frustrating. You wouldn't be able to see everything. But since you're able to touch from the rear, you have the entire screen visible. So it was really kind of a, a fun thing that we enjoyed working with. And once we kind of got the hang of it, um, I could really kind of see what, what Sony was going for with it because it's, it's pretty cool to be able to have your full screen free and your hands free for the buttons, but then have this other thing where it doesn't get in the way of, of your visibility. Hmm. Are, other, are there other Vita-specific things like uh, AR card support, near support? Uh, not for this game, no. It's okay. primarily just the dual touchscreens. All right. Uh, you said that the game is pretty much infinite, but can you decide to restart the game with all of your current weapons and stats in, like, a new game plus mode? I mean, you do, you kind of don't need to, because ultimately you can go, like, you, there's the zone select screen where you're going deeper and deeper, and, and even that, I mean, that's giving you new, like, quote-unquote reward for going hundreds and hundreds of, of levels deep. Um, that's kind of one of the more endlessy type things. But there's, it's, it's, it's a very organic game. There isn't really, uh, it's non-linear. I mean, if you just go through linear, you can go through linear and just keep going stage to stage. But everything you've ever done is always re-available to you. So if you wanted to essentially just start back at the beginning and have all of your abilities and have everything you've ever unlocked, you can just go back to that first zone and start playing through that again. It'll just keep you going through. So there's not really kind of a, a need to do a, a game plus type thing um, as as much as just you can just kind of decide wherever you want to go within that world. Um, and but since, what, you, what? since you have a magical book that you can uh, re rewrite your life if you just want to start over as a different class or... I was just change about to your ask gender. That. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. that that is possible. Okay. So you don't yes. need to start over. You can just change that's it. Cool. Okay. It might, I was you know, about it story. might not be free to change. It, well, it might not be free in game to change. It won't cost yeah. you actual money, but uh, you know, it, you can still do it. You don't need to start yeah. over. Okay. There's so, a certain amount of stuff that you can freely change and adjust with your character, and then there's a few things that. You're not locked into permanently, but you need to work a little bit at more to be able to readjust. So let's say if you played the game as a really nice person and you decided you want to start from the very beginning and be a jerk, you can easily do that and the story will progressively change with your current stats and objects and weapons. Uh, If you decide you want to be a jerk, you don't need to start over. Okay. Yay! That sounds like fun. How how big is the team working on this game? Like, how many people? Big. <laughs> uh, I probably I don't know if I could say the the uh, if I'm at liberty to say the actual team size, but it's a very hefty team um, and a very hefty portion of way forward. Oh wow! So we really detailed game. Yeah, I mean, once you see the amount of stuff in this game as you start working on your FAQ. <laughs> you, you, you can probably picture how many people would have been needed for this. Um, what kind of um, really extra special unlockables can we expect? Easter eggs, things like that. Without spoiling them, obviously, but um, can we expect them? Uh, there are things to expect. <laughs> I mean, want to have some funny things to look at. There's a lot of. I mean, in the story notes, you'll find there'll be nods to 
old games or old characters. Yay! Um, the you know the artifacts you find obviously some will tie in, like Adam said. Um, I don't want to spoil much. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's understandable. You've mentioned um, there's a you've mentioned there's a joke ending, and our joke ending is pretty awesome in this game. It's definitely my favorite of the series. Oh, it, it's, <laughs> I have to uh, look forward to. I love it's once endings. again. Uh, I wrote it again, like Shattered Memories, and the artist who drew the Shattered Memories joke ending mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. drew our joke ending as well. Oh, cool! And then Adam did a lot of the other, putting it all together and making it work. So, yeah, it's really cool. And her name is uh, Mariel Cartwright, and she's awesome. What about um like downloadable content? Are you guys going to be offering that? For... Yes, there will be some downloadable content. Like clothes and or what? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> there will okay. be some, and it, it won't be on the disc and just unlocked. It will be <laughs> extra content you are purchasing. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you talked about endings. How many endings are there? If you don't want to reveal that there's some secret ones. More than five. Nice. I like that. Um, trying You're going to be busy, CJ. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little upset that it's coming out in October because I want to spend this entire summer just playing through it and looking through stuff and checking it out. But I guess it's, 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 high, it's time with the movie now so that's, so I can play it while I wait for the movie to start. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it would have been cool to play it all summer because people have more free time. Mm-hmm. But um, it's kind of cool it's coming out with the movie because... in you know, we kind of have a month of Silent Hill. I like to call it the month of madness. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want a part two of that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a kind of a bummer with the first Silent Hill film that it was like, so where's a new game? There's no new game. for A very long time before and after the movie. So it's cool that with the second movie we can have a game. So you uh, you guys are you know big Silent Hill fans, um, Tom. I know your favorite game, isn't it Silent Hill Two? Uh, yes? My favorite game that I did not work on is Silent Hill Two. Okay, uh, so what's what's your favorite game, Adam? Uh, that I didn't work on. <laughs> yes, that you didn't, uh, that you didn't work on. <laughs> I think uh, uh, it's basically Silent Hill Two is my favorite overall. But uh, I really love things about Silent Hill 3 more than anything else in the series. So, I mean, Heather's my favorite protagonist. And just aesthetically, I think I really love a lot of stuff in Silent Hill 3. So somewhere between those two are, are my favorite in the series. Valtiel. Valtiel. Yeah. <laughs> I but noticed Tom, that he, went but he hasn't played Downpour yet. So. <gasps> oh, he hasn't played Downpour. Somebody needs to get on that. I'm too uh, too busy working on games, <laughs> but Tom Tom can attest to my unhealthy Heather obsession. Well, I noticed that you went with the uh, female protagonist in the trailer, which is pretty cool. Yes, yeah. I'm. Uh, actually, it's funny. So I've been saying that you know, it's a big female fan base, and I've been saying that I've been saying there's a big female fan base. But uh, I was reading some old interviews uh, that William Mortel did for Homecoming or for Origins. And uh, someone asked him, you know, what's the audience for Origins? Because it's a PSP, and, like, what are you aiming for? And he said, oh, we're aiming for the core fan base, which is males, 14 to 23. Oh. <laughs> I thought, no, it wasn't. Ouch. Um, but, yeah, so I know there's a lot of female fans, obviously, and Heather's the only female protagonist, and that's kind of a bummer. So since we had both for Book of Memories, 
Um, I thought it was very important to showcase the female. Um, so that people who have been waiting for that can see it's a possibility here. Because I think everyone knows you could be a male also, but people may not realize you can be a girl. So, yay. <laughs> All right, um, Whitney, do you have anything else? I'm uh... <laughs> hmm. I will say, to fill dead space. Oh, no, not dead space. Uh, dead space? To fill <laughs> empty air. Oh, she's um, just going to edit stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll say, say your thing. That make sense, then. <laughs> uh, say, um, say your thing. I will say that there's been a Silent Hill story concept in my head since I played Silent Hill 2, and it's hinted at somewhere in Book of Memories. <gasps> oh, it is? So if you want to know what Tom Hewlett thought of Silent Hill before he was working on it, be obsessive cool. about Book of Memories. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new mission, CJ. <laughs> find out what that is. The hints of Silent Hill 10? Ooh. No, it won't. It'll, it's, <laughs> it's in Book of Memories and that's where it will stay. This is how I got rid of it. It's like hinted at it in Book of Memories. So do you think this game will be the Dark Horse? Everybody will be like super surprised once they get it. It'll be one of everyone's top games. Once they Hopefully. give it a chance. <laughs> I hope so. That's my hope. I hope people give it a chance because they will like it. Yeah, I think I think anybody I think any Silent Hill fans that are kind of on the fence or I'm not sure what to think about it, I think once they sit down and play it, they'll find a lot to love and a lot to attach to in the game. I mean, if somebody's, you know, decided that they want to hate it and they're just never going to open their blinders, I'm not sure if we can do anything about that, but I think that uh I think that once people give it a shot, they're going to they're going to like a lot of the stuff in the game. Would you want to, if you got a chance to work on another Silent Hill title, would you do a similar game, or would you want to go the more traditional, uh, single-player, uh, normal view type of game the next time around? Tom or Adam? Both of you guys. Yeah. Well, Tom's done uh, everything <laughs> so far. I've, it seems like. I've kind of ta- I've kind of told Tom the Silent Hill game I want to make <laughs> if I was just left to my own devices. Uh, it probably it would be a little more. It's a hard question. It would, I think, left to my own devices, it would be a little uh, more traditional. But at the same point, I've really loved the kind of game that we've created with this. And 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 this is, I mean, this is hands down the the best. I think this is the best game I've ever directed at Way Forward. Um, so I kind of love both sides of it. Um, it's hard to say. I I would love to work on another game that's like this, and I'd love to work on a game that's more like Silent Hill two or three. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would like to do a book of memories too. Just now that we know what it is, and if we had more time and we could really do, you know, even more, that'd be cool. But, um, obviously I'd also like to keep making traditional ones. But if I got unlimited license to do, you know, my perfect vision of the next Silent Hill game, mm-hmm. uh, it would be a little bit different from what people would expect. But it would be traditional style. It wouldn't mm. be, wouldn't be an action game or something like that. It would be a sports game. Oh, <laughs> awesome! I hope it's like Vault DL's baseball world championship. It would be, it would be a car racer, right? Yeah, maybe. You're gonna be held to that by someone who <laughs> thinks you're serious. <laughs> Where's the baseball game, Tom? <laughs> uh, but I wanted I basketball. Yeah, I don't really like baseball. It would be a basketball game. 
<laughs> Eddie's Eddie's basketball jamboree. That'd be awesome. You should you should make that game. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you should really just very last minute add a extremely strange side mission in Book of Memories, which is just like a sports game. Like just like have Pyramid <laughs> Head running tracks different. and uh, running track. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That might how do you work. how do you know mm. it's not already in there? Ooh. Ooh. Or like a Gigapets. Like I want to raise Pyramid Head from a tiny little baby. Tamagotchi. <laughs> yeah. And say, like, aren't you precious? Your triangle is getting bigger. Yay! You're getting older. It could be like the game Seaman for Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's oh, then, James mm-hmm. yelling at you. And then you can get Francis York Morgan to voice it again. Yeah. Uh, funny thing. Well, I think we're we're kind of done, right? I yeah. can't really think of anything else to ask you guys. Unless there's something you guys wanted to say about the game that we completely bypass. I saw some other questions on the forum. There was like, are you stupid? Is this the okay. best you can do? Why are you killing Silent Hill? Well, why okay, are you, Tom. Why Tom, are you so why, why are you killing it? And are, are you stupid? Um... I'm not stupid, and because I can. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Do you enjoy seeing the fan base on their knees crying and screaming and yelling? And... No, because they're screaming at me. <laughs> um, How's your experience been with fan base, Adam? Have you got any personal emails, personal messages? No, they, they pretty much all hate Tom. <laughs> uh, Tom. No, I... Uh, it's, it's been cool. I mean, I've, I've chatted a little bit on forums and we've done some, some cool interviews and stuff like that. And, um, uh, it's, it's, you know, there's a, there, there's no denying that there's a lot of negativity out there, but I, I feel comfortable in the fact that most of the negativity is, uh, kind of just lack of information of the game or, or ignorance about, about what we're actually doing. Um, just because not a lot is known yet. So, I mean, if, you know, if, if people still dislike certain elements of the game when it comes out, I'll definitely give that, uh, a little more stock. But, you know, they're just, they're just reacting. So it's a different type of game. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that if I had seen at face value this kind of a game that I would be totally on board with it from the start. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I love my Silent Hill pretty traditional and, and I'm a skeptic as well, but, uh, but I think that once it comes out, once people have had time to digest it, um, I, I think that the fan base or at least the less kind of, um, crazy fan base is, is gonna, you know, potentially dig it. I think it's interesting the the breakdown of which sites tend to have more negativity, mm-hmm. just because normally GameFAQs is pretty negative, and with this game, GameFAQs is our biggest supporter, hmm. so it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, and- well, I've definitely found that like I think that there's there seems to be kind of more negativity where there's less information. So I've noticed that over the past couple months, and uh, especially like once we started doing like the E3 uh, hands-on and the big interview with Destructoid and stuff like that, a lot of the forums uh, on GameFAQs and also the dedicated Silent Hill forums have kind of turned a corner a little bit and they're like, oh, this seems kind of interesting. And oh, I, these guys seem like they actually know what they're talking about. And it seems like there's a little more optimism and kind of open-mindedness to it. It seems like most of the negativity that still lingers is at the kind of more superficial face value stuff where it's either just like quick Facebook responses or YouTube responses or stuff like that. So I think that bodes well just because I think it's kind of indicative that 
that as people learn more about it, they're gonna they're gonna like it more and more. They're gonna give my, it a chance. My favorite, my favorite uh, comment that I've seen recently is, "I doubt Tom Hewlett's ever even played a Silent Hill game." <laughs> you know I've your made, secret. I've made five of them. <laughs> so I've played at least one. I mean, you know. No lies. Well, at least. Maybe that person didn't know who Robbie the Rabbit was either, and they complained that hey, you ruined CJ, everything. Hey, CJ, that, that rabbit's from, just from Homecoming, okay? Yeah. Was Did that you know that? Yeah, yeah, on the Facebook yes. page. I, I noticed it, and I just couldn't. I was upset, yeah. because they were trying to... They, I mean, I, I haven't really played a finished version of Book of Memories either, but this person is saying the series is ruined. Why the fuck is there a rabbit? Hmm. Wow, oh, I do, I do, I do have a, a question. It, will this game be playable at Comic Con? Like, will it be on the uh, in the booth? That's a good one. I don't know. Oh. Pro- probably. I'll be Yay! at Comic Con. <laughs> Wait, you'll be at Comic Con? But just as a fan. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm gonna be there too. No one else is going. Oh yeah, I but go I'm... every year. Comic Con's awesome. <sighs> I hope I... it's there to play. If not, you should do another Where's Silent Hill video. Yes, and like freak out the Konami employees. <laughs> like, hey, will you play along with me while I act like an ass? Okay. <laughs> and also, nobody, nobody's talking about Robbie the Rabbit anymore. It's all about Kathy the Kitty now. <gasps> Kathy the Kitty. And Huey the Horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I am not expecting one, but is there any chance that we might get a demo? Uh, I can't say. Okay. Well, usually, that's usually a response that's like, oh, I want to smile to that. Because it's not a no. That's my hopefulness talking. That's CJ's takeaway for today. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, um, I don't have any more questions unless you do, Whitney. No, no. Thanks, you guys, for talking with us. Yep. No problem. Yeah, thanks it. for having us on. Thanks for joining us, uh, listeners. This was the Book of Memories interview. Hopefully... You will give the game a chance. I'm going to give it a chance. I can't wait to try it out. I'm super excited. I'm finally going to be able to put myself in Silent Hill and have fun and yell at Whitney and tell her that yeah. uh, she's not helping me and I'm dying. Yeah, you guys better be online because I'll need people to play with. Yep. Of course. You just can't sway me when I'm playing. You get, hey, look at that. Now you <laughs> have a level awesome 100 TV? weapon and oh. making me have a better time with your special cheats. No, I won't give you broken weapons. Oh. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.